Yeah, Jesus, we, we just thank you for your presence. God, we, we just can't get enough of your presence. I just pray that today just would continue to be an encounter with you, uh, that your word would go deep, that you would just even prepare the soul of our hearts to receive everything that you have for us. Yeah, we thank you and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah, today just seems so special. I feel like the Lord has already been doing such a, a deep work in our hearts. It's almost as if he's like preparing to just crash in on our hearts and do something powerful, do something amazing. So um, I, I guess I just want to encourage you today to just lean in and allow the Holy Spirit to come in and do whatever he wants to do in your heart. I, f I really feel this, that he's, he's going to do something powerful. And if you, at any time, feel like backing away or like shutting off your heart, and you know, sometimes we unconsciously do that, I just want you to catch yourself and lean in. Even if it's like hurts a little bit, <laughs> even if it's a little painful, just lean in. The Holy Spirit's a comforter. You know, it, he, he only comes because he wants to give us more freedom. And I, I feel that's what's going to happen today. Healing is going to happen in hearts. Freedom is going to come. It's going to be awesome. So you guys ready? Yeah. All right, all right. If you guys were here last time I preached, which was two weeks ago, uh, I preached on a topic of judgment. Very exciting topic, very fun, very lighthearted. And uh, uh, I called it the judgment trap, and I split the sermon up in two because it was just too much, and I, I wanted to give ample time uh, for all of us to digest this and just to kind of get more information to understand it and to really adopt it in our lives. So this week's sermon title is called Mercy Over Judgment. And so the last sermon, I introduced that topic of judging others and the impact it has on us. My definition of judgment is this, assuming that I know someone's heart intentions, beliefs, or the motives behind their actions, even if it seems like I'm right. Because let me remind you, there's no way for me to know what's going on in your heart, right? We think we're, we're good judges of that, but let me tell you, Unless you're God, God's the only one that actually knows someone's heart's intentions. So instead of approaching this topic of judging others by telling you to correct your behavior and put you under a law of works and condemnation, we approached it with a perspective shift for personal health and growth. What if it was to our own benefit to stop judging? What if judging others limits the full potential of our transformation that's available through Jesus Christ? And what if it also neg negatively affects our emotional health and well-being? Wouldn't we want to root that out of our lives? So it's no longer me telling you, stop judging people, be good Christians. And then you're like, oh my gosh, I'm trying so hard not to judge and trying to become a good Christian. There can be a higher motivator than that. Okay? So we talked about how operating in a cycle of judgment keeps us identifying with the old man because that's the operating system of the old man, the old sinful nature. And so we're no longer tied down by that. 
And when this happens, we remain carnally minded, and that hinders ourselves from growing into our new man. So we also talked about how assuming you know someone's heart's intention can create an accumulation of events that can cause trauma and pain in our lives, thus further affecting our mental and emotional health. So if we want to further pursue our own personal transformation and emotional health, then operating out of judgment is actually harming us. So it's in our best interest to root it out, root out judging others from our lives. And this is possible because it no longer is our wiring as, our new, as a new creation. Some, some of you just need to know that. That is actually possible. Because we grew up in this world, we're not of this world anymore, right? But we grew up in this world being so wired to naturally judge everything. Judge people. You, you might not even notice you're doing it. You're scrolling on Facebook, Instagram. How many judgments come across your mind as you're just scrolling through social media? So I want to let you know that you can actually live a life where that isn't your natural inclination. But it's not going to happen by your own like powering and white knuckling through it. It's literally the grace of God and, and believing and knowing what your new creation identity looks like and that new operating system of grace and not condemnation where that just starts to bear fruit in your life and becomes your reality. So this week's emphasis, uh, last time, part one of this topic, we focused on how judging others affects us personally. And today I want to focus on how judging others affects others and how it impacts a community. I want to zero in on how we can pull the best out of others and actually help others tap into more transformation through Jesus Christ. And I believe when we understand and apply this, we can collectively contribute to a healthier and whole community. But we first had to start with us because it's actually healthy people that creates healthy communities, right? It's that same concept, pull the plank out of your own eyes so that you can pull the plank out of someone else's eye. Let me, let me camp there for a second. The reason why we pluck a plank out of someone else's eye is it to just spank someone and say, hey, you're, you're such a bad person, correct this behavior. You're pulling out the plank out of someone else's eye so that they could see truth. Yes. They could see the truth of who they are. It's not to condemn someone to say, hey, look how bad you are, correct that behavior. It's like, hey, you're missing it. Don't you know who you are? You're reminding them of who they are, and they get to see that and believe it, and you call them higher. So I want to start off by sharing a personal story. I think this is going to be a good illustration, but uh, I do want to kind of protect the name of this person, so I'm going to use another name. I, I doubt anyone in here would know the person, but um, I'm going to use a person that Tommy loves to pick on, <laughs> our good friend Ned. Poor, poor Ned. <laughs> bless Ned, bless Ned. He's learning, he's growing in Christ. Um, but I used to lead a missions trip to South Africa uh, for my ministry school. And I would take about 25 students with me to South Africa. We would see so many crazy miracles. God would do powerful things in our lives. And uh, it was just such an amazing thing to do and such an honor. And uh, 
What I would do before every missions trip is I would hold these missions trip meetings to prepare the students. And so Ned, good old Ned, he missed the first few missions trips meetings. And so I was tempted to kind of just judge him as someone who's irresponsible and flaky. So it was so tempting to do that, and I felt like I was even right about that. But you know what? I was practicing this thing of rooting judgment out of my life, being very intentional about it. So I said, you know what? I'm going to uh, give him benefit of the doubt and actually reach out to him. So I sent him a Facebook message explaining the reasons why these missions trips uh, meetings are so important, and that I really just wanted everyone to have the best missions trip possible. And this is something I also shared with the rest of the group, but he missed the meeting, so I wanted to relay that to him. And uh, it was you know, to help cast vision and value for these meetings. So he messaged back and he said, hey, you don't have to be nice. If you want me there, I'll be there. And so I read it in that way. I, I read that text in, in a nasty voice. You know? you know how we do that? Sometimes we read a text and we automatically assume the tone and the attitude of the text. I was doing that. That's laced judgment right there. <laughs> We do it all the time, or maybe just me. <laughs> so in that moment, I made a conscious decision not to judge him as being dishonoring, unteachable, and rebellious. I decided to give him the benefit of the doubt and continue to love him and to explain my heart. So for one of the following meetings, good old Ned, he, he needed a ride to one of the meetings. He was a poor ministry school student, didn't have a car. Actually, he was an international. So he didn't have a car. And I thought, hey, what a big gesture it'd be if like the leader of the trip would just go over there, pick him up. I, I feel like that'll communicate a lot of value, a lot of goodwill towards him. And maybe like I could like turn him around or win, win him or something, I don't know. So I did that, picked him up. And um, to be honest, I was still thinking in my mind that he was not so great of a guy. And uh, after the meeting, he left the meeting without even coming up to me telling me that he found another ride. And I was like, wow, the nerve of this guy. <laughs> the nerve of this guy, see, so ungrateful. See, I was right. I was right about him. And um, you know, by this time, I was talking to my co-leader who also I was mentoring at the time. And I, I told her, hey, you know what? This might be the first time I ever have to send someone home from a missions trip. I've never had to do that, but I think this guy will cause so many problems. Like, I, I'm probably gonna have to send him home. And, um, you know, I had to later apologize to her because I knew I had judged him and caused her to judge him as well. So when I told her that, basically, now she has a lens over her eyes and filtering it through that lens whenever she interacts with this guy. And so, this is the definition of gossip. Gossip is when you pass on the scandal, the judgment to other people, and now they have a lens of perception of other people. So, I'd apologize, and as a way of consciously trying not to judge him, to continue to give benefit of doubt, and to put on love, I asked him if we could chat over the phone, and I said, hey, I, th I think we started off on the wrong foot. And instead of assuming I knew his heart, even though it was really tempting and I felt like I was right. I wanted him to be the one to tell me what's going on in his heart, right? If I, if I really can't assume what someone's heart intention is, 
then the, the thing you can do is go up to the person, ask them, tell them what's going on in your heart. So I shared my heart for him as a leader. <laughs> I shared, thanks. I, I, <laughs> I shared my heart for him as a leader and that I just wanted him to have the best missions trip experience possible. And I told him that he didn't even have to have a heart for this trip. Um, and, and that was totally fine. I just wanted to know where he's at and give him a chance to explain where his heart is at. And to my surprise, he immediately opened up his heart to me and told me that his heart honestly wasn't on this trip. He recently got engaged and um, he couldn't keep up with school. He wasn't taking care of himself well. And um, he was just going through a lot. It wasn't that he was a horrible person. He, he literally just had a lot going on. So after our talk, he made a complete 180 shift. He all of a sudden was my biggest supporter. Every time I needed the group's attention, he was the first one locked in on me and said, hey Richard, we're listening, and everyone would follow suit. And um, on the trip, he became the biggest servant leader, and I had zero clue that that could even be possible. On the missions trip, he, he would like look out for all the women on the trip, making sure they're all safe. He would uh, carry their bags. Every time we needed someone to do something, he's the first one to volunteer. Um, everyone just loved him. He was a trip favorite. And when I got to see the real him, I realized that, wow, he's such a beautiful person, has such a beautiful <laughs> heart, and is such a leader and a servant. And I wouldn't have seen that at all if I didn't give him benefit of doubt, if I didn't extend mercy, if I didn't try and, and you know, even ask, hey, how's your heart doing? What's going on there? If, if I just went with my, my blatant judgment of who he is, flaky, irresponsible, dishonoring, rebellious, guess what? He probably would have been that on the trip. It would have been like a self-fulfilling prophecy. And then I would have been like, see, I knew it. My discernment was right on. I knew it. See, this is the proof. That never happens in the church. <laughs> so he had the most life-changing trip. He was rocked. And, um, you know, back at school, when he went back to his class, he even told his class, he's like, hey, Oh, my trip leader, Richard Song, you need to invite him to our class. And like, it, I'm like, wow, this guy is like so for me. It's crazy. And so I, I yeah, Ned is awesome. Thank you, God, for redemption. Um, but I learned a very important lesson right then and there. When we judge someone, we don't give them an opportunity to change. We've locked them down to a judgment. We labeled them and we put condemnation on them. So condemnation means to judge worthy of punishment. And what that can look like, punishment can look like you just simply withholding your love, withholding your blessing from them. When we judge, we wear a lens and all of our interactions with that person are now tainted and influenced by this lens. As a result, we can't truly love that person. If I hadn't given Ned the benefit of doubt, 
he could have actually turned out to be the person I judged him to be on our trip. And I could have prided myself in being right and saying, see, I knew it. <laughs> Thank God for my discernment. I really protected our team from that one. And that would have been such a grave mistake. To give another example of this, let's say there's someone struggling with alcohol. And we label that person saying, this person is an alcoholic and he'll never change. We then start treating him like an alcoholic. Our every interaction with him subconsciously is filtered through that lens that he's an alcoholic. He already has a hard time believing that he can change. And now your actions toward him is a constant reminder and reinforces that belief in him. What happens is we don't give him grace to change, instead we put him under a law where he has to perform and prove to us that he's not an alcoholic. And we all know that under that kind of law, there's only condemnation and no grace. But what if instead we reminded him of his new nature in Christ and keep pointing him to truth? What if we kept championing his true identity as a new creation and not as an alcoholic? And that is the very thing that leads to his freedom, right? It's the truth that sets us free. Somehow we think it's like our trying, our trying really hard that sets us free. So what ends up happening is that we release grace that helps him change and transform instead of releasing judgment and condemnation. I believe when we judge others, something happens in the spirit where we actually um, put them under, under the law, similar to like the Old Testament law. Under the Old Testament law, we were all condemned. Romans 7 talks about this. The, we want to do good. We want to not sin. But the harder and harder we try and we fail time and time again, the more we're discouraged. The more we believe that we can't change. We can't do it. That's what condemnation does. That's what the law does. Anything under a law is a curse, a, con a condemnation. It's a perform to earn reward system. So our love and our blessing is conditional on their ability to meet our requirement or our law. Thus we withhold our blessing and, and we release condemnation instead. When instead, our blessing and grace is the very thing that en helps enable people to change. So in other words, when we judge, we withhold grace, which is the enabling power to change. Instead, we extend condemnation, which does not help someone to change. So what if we int intentionally create a culture here at Evergreen, where we are constantly pointing each other to truth, the truth of who we are in Christ? What if our community is a constant reminder of who we are and not who we aren't? When we become that community, we become a community that pulls the best out of each other. And we are constantly pushing each other to the best versions of ourselves. It's a really exciting time at Evergreen. Our community is thriving. It's so fun. And um, I just feel like I wanted to kind of give a blueprint and a little bit of a vision of like what kind of culture we can create here. Like what if we could create such a culture at Evergreen that literally we haven't seen anywhere else? Where we can champion each other so much, we could always, we could be relentless about pointing people to the truth of who they are, 
to the point where they're so transformed. Each and every one of us is so transformed, like further and further into the likeness of Jesus. And in that place, our community is so healthy, relationally, emotionally. When other people come into this community, they, they can't help but notice. How is this community so healthy? And it becomes so attractive, it becomes so contagious, and they want to jump in. And we have momentum because we have been investing in this and creating this and have knowledge and understanding of this. And when people come into our community, they could tap in real quick. And we could see healing in their lives faster than if you know, they were trying to do it on their own. I feel like there's a synergy, there's a, a momentum when we can do something as a whole body. Something that I think about. All right. I want to hit on the topic of discernment and gossip. Starting off with discernment. I don't know if you guys know this, but did you know that there's no such thing as gift of discernment in uh, 1 Corinthians 12? Did you know that? You're like, no, you're lying, you're wrong. Let's, let's turn to it, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 7. It says, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of what? Discerning of spirits. It doesn't say gift of discernment. It says discerning of spirits. Okay, the NIV, the NESB uh, translates it like this, to another distinguishing between spirits. ESV says to another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. So what people think is the gift of discernment is actually called the gift of discerning of spirits. In very simple terms, it means distinguishing whether spirit is of God or not, angelic or demonic. There's more to it than that, but that's very simplistic. Um, it's not a gift of discerning people's heart motives. <laughs> I, don't, I actually don't know where we got that from. <laughs> like It's just been so accepted in church that it's, uh, oh, I have the gift of discernment. I... I <laughs> I don't know, maybe you could, if you know where it is, you could show me, because I just don't know. So I believe this, in the church, we've justified ourselves to judge people, saying it's a gift of discernment. What we're actually doing is we're just spiritualizing a dysfunction. But, but here we go. But, but if, if you don't agree with me, I'm, I'm not saying I'm right, but if you don't agree with me, let's just say that there is a gift of discernment, okay? Where we can judge the motives of people's hearts. Well, the gifts of the Spirit are supposed to be powered by love, right? Paul takes time in 1 Corinthians 12, talking about the spiritual gifts. He takes a break before talking about Spiritual gifts, again, in, in chapter 14, he, he takes a pause and says, hey, but if you have love, you don't have love, you have nothing. The spiritual gifts are supposed to be powered by love. If the motive of the operation of your gift is not love, you have nothing, and your gift is being powered by the wrong spirit. 
So if God is giving you a gift of discernment about someone, let's say that's a gift, he's not giving you information about someone so you can judge him. God is not a gossiper. But if God gives you discernment or knowledge of someone's heart, he's giving it to you because he's entrusting you with someone's heart. He's giving you understanding so that you can love that person and help that person. It's not for the sake of gossip. Discernment without love is disguised judgment. That's what I believe. When you tell someone else, it's gossip. <laughs> it's on the screen, but I'll say it again. <laughs> discernment without love is disguised judgment. When you tell someone else, it's gossip. Gossip is passing on your judgment to other people. You cause other people to enter into agreement with the same judgment that you placed. You cause them to put a lens over their eyes, so now their interactions with that person is now tainted. Gossip is like a cancer, and it spreads quickly if you don't stop it. And the buck stops with you. Can you be the one to stop it in its tracks, to stop the spread of gossip, that offense, the scandal, scandalizing other people. Can you be the one that actually covers people? We don't want to cause other people to judge, which ultimately harms them, right? It will ultimately harm them personally too, because the measure that you judge, it'll be measured back to you. I believe this will help any community and life will flow in such a powerful way if we could grab a hold of this. And I believe that we can see radical change in us and our community as we pursue this. Yeah. So how do you defeat judgment? James chapter two, verse 13 says this, for judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Yeah. So when we easily judge others, it's actually easy to judge ourselves. When we don't show mercy, when we don't extend mercy to others, then it's, we don't extend mercy to ourselves. On the other hand, it's easy to extend ourselves mercy when we show others mercy. It's that same principle. With the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. So then it becomes easier to be kind to ourselves when we are kind to others. If you struggle with self-hatred like I did for many years, this was something that I didn't understand. I didn't understand that judgment and was actually the cause of a lot of my pain. The more I judged, the more it was measured back to me. The more I couldn't extend mercy to others, the harder it was for me to extend mercy to myself. You know why that is? <laughs> it's like when you're hard on someone else, very critical of them, you don't want to be a hypocrite. You're hard on yourself. You're critical of yourself. That's the whole spiritual principle behind it. So how do you defeat judgment? You extend mercy, give benefit of doubt. And 
It's all about clearing your heart of judgment and the right to assume someone's heart. You see, it, when I say clearing your heart and giving up your right to judge someone's heart, I'm not saying this is something that you have to like muster up and try hard not to judge. Okay, I'm not gonna judge, I'm not gonna judge, I'm not gonna judge. Literally for me, when I catch myself, look, and I admitted last time I preached, like I caught myself slipping. Like, I haven't, haven't been as vigilant with this and I started to see myself judge more, but I, I just felt like this gross thing in my heart where I'm like, man, I can't keep doing this, it's death to me. But what I'm talking about is like, when you catch yourself being tempted to judge someone or you judge someone, it's, it's literally what I do is I, I just take a moment to just release my right to judge someone to God. I, I just say, God, I, I release my right to judge someone to you. And when I'm doing that, I'm putting my trust in him to give me the grace to not judge, okay? It's, it's me, it's for me to, in my heart to have that first heart posture to be like, God, I, I release it to you. And I release my judgment over that person. And I bless them and whatever comes to mind, I just start praying for that person. And then I say, hey, I also release myself of that very same judgment. You see, this is all in context of me not trying to judge. It's, I know that the more I can keep the soil of my heart clear, the more that God can do a transformative work in me. So the more that I keep all these things rooted in my heart that aren't supposed to be there and that actually constricts life, the more of a disservice it is for me. You know, when you deal with a problem, you're not supposed to just uh, deal with the symptoms, right? You're supposed to go to the very root. Well, this is the very root. The first sign of the fall of man is that he became a judge and a god unto himself. Yeah. We're, we're hitting this thing at the very root. So as I've been doing this, I've realized that it's become easier for me not to judge others. It's not me trying so hard not to judge others. I'm literally just catching it and releasing it to God. So over time, without me even trying, I just, it just starts to become like a realization of my new wiring in Christ. Like, oh wow, I don't actually have to live this way. A lot of times when we judge, we do it to, it's, it's a, a measure of self-protection. Like I said, I'm, not, I'm definitely not perfect in this area. I'm still growing in this area. But I want God and I allow him to do the heavy lifting. My part is just obedience. My part is, is allowing him to pierce my conscience. And here's the thing, if you keep your heart calloused, it's gonna be harder to sense those heart nudges where the Holy Spirit is trying to lead you, to guide you. So you wanna keep your heart as supple, as pliable as possible. It's not only judgment, there's other things like bitterness or hurt that could callous your heart. And whatever we could do to just 
root those things out of our lives, the more that we could see that supernatural, born again reality come about. Then good, hate, good behavior is just a byproduct of right believing. If you believe you're always gonna struggle with judgment, you're gonna struggle with it. You always believe you're gonna struggle with sin, you're gonna struggle with sin. If you believe you have been given a righteous new nature, I know that's hard to believe sometimes, but it is the truth that sets us free. The more you can focus on truth and believe what Jesus did for you on the cross, he really took care of it, right? The more that's gonna manifest good behavior, I don't even wanna say good behavior, righteousness will manifest in your life without you trying so hard. We couldn't earn our own salvation. We couldn't earn our own righteousness through our works from the beginning. So why are we trying to do that now? When we're born again. So I believe the more we can keep the soil of our hearts clear, the more transformation we can see. The motivation for not judging isn't behavior modification. I, I just realize what's at stake if I keep judging others. I limit my own health and transformation that's available to me. And I, I'm literally so hungry and passionate about transformation. Like, if Jesus really paid for all of that on the cross and it's available to me, like, what can that look like? What's the full possibility of what I can look like through him? Maybe we haven't seen it yet. So like my story with Ned, can we actually be a royal priesthood? <laughs> Look, as a royal priesthood, we're not supposed to withhold our blessing, <laughs> withhold our grace. As a royal priesthood, can we extend mercy? Can we extend grace to each other and pull out the best of who we truly are and call each other higher? If we want to see true health in ourselves, relationships, and community, then we need to deal with the root. And rooting out judgment from our lives should be a no-brainer. Why don't you guys stand up with me? I just felt in my spirit, I feel like Holy Spirit from the beginning just set you guys up. <laughs> By preparing our hearts, making us self bold, being like, I'm gonna invade your heart today. I'm gonna come in, it's gonna be good. You're gonna have freedom, you're gonna have peace. I wanna heal the wounds in your hearts. I want you to just even release your wounds to me, your trauma. I feel like there's gonna be repentance going on. Like, I felt like just to give an invitation right now for you to just connect with the Lord personally right now. I, I feel like he's just doing a wide variety of things. But Holy Spirit, I even pray right now that, that you would speak to each and every single person here, that you would attune our ears to what you're doing, 
and to everyone else here, I, I, I want you just to connect with him in your heart. If you sense that Holy Spirit is, is wanting you to just repent of judgment, repent just means like, hey, doing what I did. God, I release my right <laughs> to judge others. I release it to you, God. I don't want to do that anymore. God, help me in this area. Or if it's other areas where you feel your heart has been calloused by past hurt, trauma, if you've been giving yourself a hard time, if, if you've been struggling with self-hatred, allowing the Lord to come into those places where you feel tempted to like even shut off your heart because it hurts. Lean in, lean in, let him come in. Let, let him be the soothing balm, the healing balm to your heart. So Holy Spirit, right now, in Jesus' name, I thank you, God, for your presence, for your closeness, for your love. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would be that great surgeon right now, that you would go into hearts, do what only you can do, do only what only grace can do. Supernatural healing, supernatural transformation. Whether it's trauma, past hurt, or pain, Holy Spirit, I, I pray that you just minister to our hearts right now. Sometimes it takes you just to even put on your lips. You don't even have to say it loud. It's just, God, I, I, God, I, I repent of this. I, I, I want to root these things I know that have been festering in my heart and being like a cancer in my heart. I, I just release those things to you. Spirit, just say increase your presence in this place. We just say increase what you're doing in our hearts.